0: Color speak. Hi I'm your host Janet Huxley author JM Huxley. Welcome to this podcast to unveil truth and uplift you. Here you will find truth talk for relevance restoration, social influence and dynamic purpose in all places and all seasons. Here we will unveil truth for color. light is where you'll find truth truth is where you'll find color. color is where you'll find God. Color is God. It's His love for you. Light is what makes color happen. Color is a product of light, and God is light, so color testifies. Color, along with the innumerable facets of creation, testifies to a creator who loves us. Enough to give us the diversity we see, the love we experience, the hope we know, and the presence. We feel, if we give ourselves permission to. Color speaks of the everlasting goodness of a good God who wants to fill us with light and truth and joy and love. Color. The well-known German poet Johann Wolfgang von Goethe said centuries ago, A man can stand anything but a succession of ordinary days. Fortunately, our Creator never intended ordinary or monotonous for us. He intended abundant life for us in color. Okay, I know I go on about this a lot, but it's what this podcast, Color Speak, is all about. This podcast is about knowing the one true God and giving testimony to His truth. It's a place for faith edification because we all need encouragement now and again. We all have short attention spans and long periods of want. We are in constant need of faith restoration, even if we've had a mountaintop experience, even if we've had a few, even if, like Moses, we've come down off a mountain after having been in the presence of our God, faces all aglow, when we've encountered him firsthand, seen what he can do, felt the love, even then, because we forget We panic. We build our golden idols. We turn to them. And we forget that faith matters. That to have it means to have anticipation and every reasonable expectation that we can count on it, on Him. We need God, but we also need each other. And I think I think that's one reason our Father gives us all unique experiences, each reflective of His own attributes. That way, we are able to delight in the different ways He responds to our needs, each response specifically tailored to each individual and the relationship he or she has with Him. We needn't be jealous or feel less than our sisters because we haven't experienced in faith what they have. We aren't supposed to have the same encounters or copied relationship. We're wired to have our own unique, intimate interactions with our Creator. We have to be mindful of this. And we're supposed to share them to encourage others to faith and in faith. Today, I'm doing something different with this podcast in that I don't have a guest with me. And believe me, this wasn't my choice. It was God's. I argued with him, of course. I mean, how could I do it alone? What on earth could I possibly say, just me, to encourage our listeners? Anyway, things came up. Guests had issues, needed to reschedule. My computer crashed again. Well, let's just say I needed to march on. And don't worry, I have some wonderful guests lined up for the future. But for now, you have me. And I want to talk about faith. Or to clarify, God wants me to talk about faith. And I hope you listen, because maybe there's somebody that needs to hear this. When I was asked by a local newspaper editor recently if I would like to write a column, and it could be on any subject matter I chose, what do you think I said? I didn't have to think about it. Yes, I would write a column. But could I write on the topic of faith? <sighs> I'm happy to say I could. But... How does one start a new column with the topic of faith? So here's what I wrote. Faith wasn't something my grandmother covered when she wrote a column for the Los Angeles Sentinel in the 1950s, though the subject would undoubtedly have been more palatable than it is now. The Sentinel was and still is a newspaper dedicated to advocating the African-American voice. It still is to this day. My grandmother, who was white, wrote about government. Her column was entitled, our government, government of the people, by the people, for the people. I think that's so cool. Mel Jane, whose gnome de plume and familiar name was Jane Ewens, had been a crusader. She graduated from college at the age of 16 because she'd taken her university entrance exams after just a year in high school and had then done graduate work at USC. After the Second World War, she attended law school at UCLA, thanks to a letter of recommendation written for her by Senator Richard Nixon. Later, my grandmother wrote speeches for President Nixon and Dwight D. Eisenhower. She worked as a social worker, held real estate and insurance licenses, and was certified through the Red Cross as a lifeguard, all while raising four children as a single mother." She did at the time what most women wouldn't have dreamed of doing. And even those who might have had an inkling to cover such ground were simply not up to the rigors of it. I had no idea my grandmother was so accomplished. To me, she was my Baba. And it's funny as I think about that now, because I really was embarrassed to call her that name in public or to even refer to her by her name, Baba, outside of the family. I don't know why. I guess it's grown more endearing through the years. Anyway, she was the one who rocked me in her arms after scooping me up in a towel at bath time, and she would cuddle me in bed at night, and she always wanted to sleep with me, but she'd leave her tissues behind in the sheets. She was the one who never missed Mass or Wheel of Fortune, or her after-five-o'clock scotch and soda, and who loved me in a way that blesses me to this day, long after her departure from this earth. I had no idea she'd been a journalist, no clue she'd written a column, until just last year when my mother dug through some paperwork at home and unearthed the evidence. Now, my mom knew this, but for some reason, it just never came up in conversation with me. Neither did I know that her uncle Herb, on the other side of the country, had been a columnist for the Miami Beach Daily Sun at the same time. So get this, none of this came to my attention until very recently. It was decades after I received my own degrees in communication and journalism and working as a broadcast journalist and writer in San Diego and Kansas City, I learned this love of mine, the ability to tell a story, and more importantly, to create through words was a response to design and one that must course through the shared material part of my ancestors in me. But it isn't just genetic predisposition or even a love of writing that compels me to put words on paper and screen and to do this, to talk to you. I'm fueled by a desire to share hope with others. I'm consumed with it, actually. A column in a newspaper dedicated to the topic of faith. That is just so God. (laughs) So that's about the gist of it. Now I'd like to say more. Okay, so... What exactly is faith? We all have it, but none of us has enough. We all know it has something to do with expectation, but now the concept is open to interpretation. We all know it's important, but to what degree? Well, for centuries, most of us understood it was the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I've been hearing a lot lately from people who say the Bible is legend. They say it's a corrupt book written by corrupt men, something we can't count on because it was written so many centuries after Jesus walked the earth, died, and was resurrected. All I can say to that, as gracefully as I am able, is that is philosophy that demonstrates ignorance, a lack of education even, Either unintentional or willful, but I lean towards the latter and I mean no harm by this. Let me explain. I think humans are prone to opening their mouths to speak without first thinking through things. I'm one of those, oh, how I wish I had used the mind God gave me before rushing in on so very many occasions. And I'm sure that will be true in the future as well as the past. If only. We could all do that to hold our tongues and to think things through and maybe even do a little research ourselves, especially now when everyone is so triggered by so many things and truth is a commodity rarely traded anymore. When agenda and feelings and desires lead motive and discussion and so much is nebulous. It's not fully understood or researched, and yet we still want to throw our opinions into the ring, and we hurt each other in our ineptitude where this is concerned. You know that. You don't need me to act as Captain Obvious. But here's the thing. Arguments for faith in the Bible are sound, and they're supported by evidence and backed up by science and experience alike. Historically, humans have known faith as a function of a relationship with God. Now the term is used loosely, linked with a belief in ourselves or in other humans, in governments or ideologies, you name it. Hebrews states in the Bible, Hebrews 11.1, 1, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The substance of things hoped for. Okay. We all have hope. It's the one thing all humans share. It's what causes us to live, to strive for another day. Were it not for hope, we'd all pack up and go home, call it a life, because there is no living without hoping for good to come our way. When we are out of hope, we are out of life. In 2014, Frontline aired a documentary entitled Prison State. I didn't watch it. Well, I watched a glimpse or two of it. It was my husband that watched it. And what he shared with me at the time has stuck with me all of these years. He said, no matter the crime, even prisoners who were locked up for having committed murder all had one thing in common. They all had hope. Each human being had hope they would be freed from prison or from death. I think you know where I'm going with this. (laughs) Because without Christ, we are in prison. And we are facing death. For eternity. Hope is what each of us is fueled on. We each hope for release. We all hope for a better tomorrow, or even that today's good will last. We hope Because without hope, we die. And faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's also the evidence of things not seen. Okay, evidence of things not seen. To a certain extent, because I would argue God does not always remain hidden from us. There is a lot we cannot see, but there is plenty we can that encourages faith. Oh, I know we can have faith in the wrong things, but faith in the one true God, that is faith in all caps. I could spend the next three days or more conveying the evidence here on ColorSpeak, the eyewitness testimony, both directly and indirectly, the hostile witnesses, the corroborative evidence the undeniable reality that even those opposed to the gospel cannot argue against the case for Christ that there was a man named Jesus who lived a perfect life, performed miracles, said he was God, was crucified, died, and was buried, and then resurrected. Hundreds of witnesses attested to these facts and that a strong case may be made to the writing of the New Testament scriptures as beginning within two years of the crucifixion. Furthermore, as Lee Strobel points out in his best-selling book, The Case for Christ, here are five more facts providing evidence for the reliability of the resurrection of Jesus Christ alone. One, the willingness of followers to die for their belief in the resurrection of Jesus. Okay, I know people die for lunatics all of the time. They line up and they drink the Kool-Aid. I was a reporter in San Diego when the Heaven's Gate story broke in Rancho Santa Fe, and I recall it well. There's a difference. These were people who had previously doubted him, fought against him even, but then something happened after the resurrection that caused them to change their mind, their minds, plural. (laughs) They were willing to die at that point. Number two, the documented conversion of skeptics. There were those who hardened against Jesus before the resurrection, who turned around and adopted the Christian faith after death. Just like I said, the third is the changes to key social structures. Five weeks after the crucifixion, over 10,000 Jews began to follow Jesus, claiming he was the initiator of a new religion. And get this, they were willing to give up or alter all Five of the social institutions that they had been taught since childhood had importance sociologically and theologically. Four was communion and baptism. They were a celebration of Jesus. And what is odd is that the early followers of Jesus didn't get together to celebrate his teachings or how wonderful he was. Get this, they came together regularly to remember his teachings death and celebrate his victory over it. And baptism was a Jewish custom carried over into the early church. Number five, the emergence of the church. The Christian faith spread so rapidly, it had reached Caesar's palace in Rome within 20 years and eventually overwhelmed a number of competing ideologies to overwhelm the Roman Empire. And it has continued to spread to this day. The thing is, like we've said so many times here on Color Speak, is there's so much proof that continues in the present day. It didn't just stop there. The proof that is. The miracles, the reality of the experiences that Jesus provides those who follow him. Now, as far as, how which scriptures were chosen to be in the Bible. There's plenty of evidence there as well, and we don't have time to get into it, obviously. But the bottom line is this. It takes a lot more faith to discount the evidence in the validity of the Bible than it does to believe. And as was stated in the movie, The Case for Christ, when is enough enough? It boils down to this. There will always be people who reject the Bible and faith in Jesus Christ in spite of the overwhelming evidence to support it. Why? They don't want to believe. And often when you don't want to believe something, you don't want to investigate evidence that could change your mind. So here on this podcast, not only does deductive reasoning, hard evidence, and science play a part in our understanding of what faith is, action does too. Because like I said, God never asks us to believe him blindly. He is always showing up and performing miracles. He's talking to us and administering to us and walking by our sides. He's holding our hands. He's being his supernatural self and displaying himself in so many different ways. And uh, we need only to pay attention. And so that's where our stories come in. Everyone has a story to share. And for those who choose to follow and delight in God, testimonies of what he is doing in the lives of others is often the fuel that powers us on, inspiring us with the courage to share our own. So of all the subjects worthy of discussion, it is faith to my mind that is the most important and impactful to talk and write about. Faith is something rewarded too. The more one demonstrates faith, the more one has of it. So the more you have faith, the more you have faith. We receive and maintain faith through reading God's word, praying and talking with one another and through sharing our testimonies. So that's what we do here. And I'm going to share a testimony because I'm going to get real. I always am here. I don't need somebody here talking with me now to feel motivated to be real with you if you've joined me. So I'm just going to tell you none of this is scripted, and I'm just going to be real with you. It's actually one of my most uh, regretful moments. I I don't think there's merit in stopping down and dwelling on all of those things that we do in the past that we've been forgiven for, because Scripture tells us that when we repent of these things, our God forgives us, and he just wipes them from his mind. So he's not worried about it any longer, but I am. Because I want to be real with you. I was one of those doubters. I didn't believe. I thought I knew everything. I had taken a worldviews class, a world religions class in college, and I thought, wow, there's a lot of different ways to approach God, and there are a lot of people that follow in each of these different religions, and so there must be something to it. It must be that God allows us to approach Him a variety of different ways. Well, of course, deductive reasoning now tells me that that would be ridiculous. Why would Jesus need to pay the price and die such a gruesome death for humanity if it weren't necessary, if we could just choose another door? But that's not the way it works. There are only two religions in the world, the true religion and the religion of the enemy, under which everything else falls. Christianity is the only thing that makes sense. Okay, but here's my story. I was in radio news. I had a number of different radio stations that I provided news, weather, and traffic for. And on a number of them, I was sort of the morning show team or part of it. And I was talking with someone one day. And after my newscast, I cleverly tagged on the end of a story that was about the Southern Baptist Convention's decision to exclude women from the pulpit. And I cleverly said at the end of my cast, well, what do you... What do you expect from a bunch of men who believe in a book that was written thousands of years ago? (laughs) And uh, we only got one call of complaint, but this always chokes me up. I, I often think maybe it was that one caller that prayed for me to know the truth. That one person who thought enough of the deception that I had uttered on the Kansas City airwaves, to call me out and to call up the station. Just that one call. Of course, I laughed it off at the time. (laughs) I was on another station as part of a morning show not long after that, where I talked about chocolate. And oh boy, we got all kinds of calls on that. (laughs) But anyway... By the way, that was C's chocolate. I was advocating for the wonderfulness of C's chocolate, which I will still do today, because C's chocolate is the bomb. But you can't utter that in Russell Stover territory and not feel the repercussions of such. Anyway, I regret saying that. I am so thankful the Lord brought me around. Oh, isn't there a verse in the Bible that talks about God frustrating the wisdom of the wise? (laughs) At any rate, our testimonies are important, and I hope that you find those that we air here on Color Speak extremely comforting and encouraging. (sighs) So just like my grandmother wrote about government for the country she believed in, I write about faith for the God I believe in now. and I talk about it, too, obviously. And I plan to do this the rest of my life. I'm pretty sure this is why God wired me to write and why he put me in the places he's put me in thus far. He also asked me to encourage you here on Color Speak. So that's what I'm doing. What is it that's keeping you back from faith in Jesus Christ? What is it that's keeping you from fully experiencing the relationship he wants from you, wants with you? Are you not seeing the miracles you wish to? Are you listening to the wrong voice? Or do you even desire truth? Because, my friends, sometimes you have to be willing to give up everything that stands in the way of it. I'm praying truth for you, my friend. I'm asking God to increase your faith, but I'm also asking him to increase mine, too. Because despite all of the incredible miracles that I've experienced, that I've written about, and I've shared on this podcast, I'm human too, and there are days I need your encouragement. Because there are days that I mess up and I fall back into my idolatrous ways again. I'm hoping when God turns up for you, When he exceeds your expectations, when he delivers a plan that far exceeds the one you had for yourself, I'd love to hear from you. And at the very least, I hope you'll share your experience with someone because someone needs to hear it. Someone may have a life that depends upon hearing it. I hope you'll celebrate faith only in the one who deserves it. Thanks for listening to Color Speak today. I hope you'll continue to listen wherever you find your podcasts and now on Grace and Truth Radio World. This is J.M. Huxley for Color Speak, celebrating relevance, restoration, social influence, and dynamic purpose in all places and all seasons.